on he on Halo Talks with Patterson from Brooklyn Heights in Madison. <laughs> Cheers. All right, let's do this. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having entrepreneur from Brooklyn, Alex Patterson, beat the bomb. What's up, Pete? Good morning. Nice to have you on the show. Nice to have you too. How you doing? Excellent, excellent. So uh, we're gonna kind of switch gears from our uh, our straight health and active lifestyle outdoors into the indoor beat the bomb, getting people social, getting people moving, getting people to have fun, and eradicating loneliness. Hey, you put it great. All right, great. Let's end the podcast now. Awesome, <laughs> great to meet you. Awesome, good to see you. So, Alex, why don't you give your background to everybody here? Uh, obviously, you started in. Uh, in a law firm and then got your corporate experience and then uh, and then on to your entrepreneurial pursuits. So, uh, so give us the, the five-minute drill and then we'll go from there. Sure. Well, I'd actually rather start by, by earlier in life. I was a lifeguard for about almost 10 years. Nice. And uh, when you're swimming out to get a victim, uh, it's a team experience. You know, someone's got the torp, which is unattached to anything. You swim out, you hand it to the victim, you know, try to mm-hmm. keep them afloat. Someone's got the line and they're swimming it out, and then someone's on the beach holding the end of the line. Mm-hmm. So once the two people out in the water hook up with the victim, the person on the beach pulls them in. Gotcha. And that's basically a four-person drill because someone out always plays a victim when you're doing the drill. So it's a four-person team experience where everybody has a different role and it's all valuable. No one can be a bystander. No one can be a spectator. No one can be a wallflower or else you're not getting that victim in. Right. So I kind of core to me as a person is teamwork, making people work, you know, having people work together um, and then being better for it. Uh, and I think it, we'll see later with Tough Mudder and then with Beat the Bomb, sort of how that plays out. But, uh, you know, after Lifeguard, went to college, went, went to Harvard, then went to UVA for law school, left there, went to Davis Polk, worked in the tax department because tax is full of quirky, fun people. And I know that sounds like <laughs> a joke, but it's actually true. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, at the tax firm, the, the, the uh, tax attorneys are the ones sort of think, saying, can we think about this a different way? Uh, you know, can we recharacterize, uh, you know, debt as equity and not pay interest taxes on the interest. So anyway, uh, did that. And then financial crisis hit. I'd already asked for a change to uh, a different department. And they sort of said, well, look, we're not doing any changes to different departments. Is it because of your personality? Like you were fit for the tax guys? So like they didn't want you to leave? I think tax, you know, they're looking at the at the 10 tax associates in the in the starting class saying, which which one out of every few years of these is going to be a tax partner later on? Who has uh, the, the sort of the tax DNA, the tax bug? Who huh. loves it? Who's studying it at midnight? I don't midnight? know if getting that, like, getting that call is necessarily like a positive, right? I, I don't, you know. Yeah. Well, it's good that it's, you're out. It's meant well, for some. It's meant yeah. for some. Okay. A lot not, of great not, people not there. Not this Patterson, maybe another Patterson. Maybe another Patterson. Yeah. So, you know, I sort of... I thought, what are my what are my interests? I loved uh, sort of active lifestyle. I'd done triathlons and uh, running events, and I kind of looked out. And it's a bit of a longer story, but I looked out there and I saw this young company starting in Dumbo, Brooklyn, called uh, Tough Mudder. They were two 29-year-old guys from England. They were going to put people through ice, fire, mud, electric shocks, and they were going to give them a beer afterwards. I'd actually done a mud run in California with a friend. I mean, that's how I heard a friend, you know, hit me up and said, who are these crazy guys doing this? And I thought to myself, well, if they don't have a lawyer yet, 
they're going to need one. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. You know, it's not uh, just a regular waiver on something. Not like that, just a right? waiver. We called it the death waiver. The death um, waiver. So, so I, I just hit them up. Um, I said, "Hey guys, you know, do you need a lawyer. You need, you need, need help with this business." They had two, two, three people working for them. So I joined. That was right after the first event, and then it was like off to the races. It was five years wearing all sorts of different hats. I mean, started to be the lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, did sponsorship sales because it kind of involved contracts. Right. But then through through the sponsorship sales, it's basically marketing. You know, you're trying to convince someone, Under Armour, Dos Equis, et cetera, that, you know, Tough Mudder has three events now, but we're going to have 14. Right. Then we're going to have 50. Then we're going to have 100. That's marketing and who's our customer, et cetera. And, and our marketing director didn't really work out. And I raised my hand and said, look, I, I can run the Facebook ads. I can run the Facebook, you know, page. I yeah, can, you used to be the tax guy. You know, yeah, you used to be the tax guy. You know, obviously, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's something about marketing and law. There's, there's something similar because... I mean, it's a weird way to put it, but if, you know, if someone's uh, dead on the floor in your apartment, it's like, oh, you killed them because they're in your apartment, right? And a, a lawyer would say, well, no, not necessarily. And so <laughs> marketing is kind of like, oh, you pass out flyers in Times Square as long as the people take them, like, that's good marketing, right? And it's like, no, not necessarily, right? You're, you're trying to, what's the evidence for why you think the way you're thinking about this situation? Mm. So anyway, I kind of kind of applied that mind to marketing, did that for a couple of years. And then what, what would happen would every couple of years, our CEO, Will Dean, would, would take me and put me in a new place. Gotcha. Uh, he would say, okay, how are we going to get people to come back to Tough Mudder? We obviously need, we need new obstacles. We need new challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said, Alex, build an obstacle innovation team. I didn't know anything about, you know, what would make a structure collapse or not. But I hired an engineer, hired a design guy, kind of went about studying the the people who did obstacles, you know, studying the the, the participants and creating new crazy obstacles like Mm -hmm. one that we never did called Dark Lightning, which was basically electric shocks in a completely black box. And that was was probably going to be too dangerous. Yeah. Well, there there were always the... um yeah, you'd have to go underneath the electrical cord, right, yeah, with the water. That was electric eel. That was <laughs> electric eel. Yeah, that's what that was called. Yeah, was that or, in there was, um, one... was that underlined or in bold in the eight point font on your on your waiver? Yeah, we know. definitely had a couple <laughs> asterisks next asterisks, to things. Yeah. And actually, that's how I be, got into marketing. Truly, not just the sponsorship. Is I was the, the first MC. Really? And because I had written the the, the waiver for the company, the yeah. death waiver. Okay. Um, and I thought to myself, this was like 2010. There's no such thing as an online electronic waiver at the time. So people would sign them and we'd put them in a box. And I thought, if we lose this box and something happens, you know, the company is going to be up a creek. So I said, the only thing left is we need to basically make the start line speech essentially like the waiver. We need to say, if you don't want to do this, you can turn back now. It's dangerous. If you can't swim, don't jump in the water. Mm. You know, uh, if you have a history of heart trouble and we're not talking about brokenhearted, you know, country songs, we're talking about, you know, pacemaker, do not go through electric shock. So I wrote out this speech to be kind of a warning, but also funny. And I gave it to the MC we had hired who was running the music. He's like a, a, a DJ who had all the DJ equipment. And I said, I want you to, I want you to read it like, this this is the tough mutter vibe the spirit and yeah. he, he just turned he gave me the mic he said dude you do it <laughs> so so i did that and the ceo saw it he said oh alex really knows how to kind of amp these people up um and that's how i then kind of he said well Got why don't it. you take over the facebook page and start talking and did that's you how- did you like toggle between the two be like you're gonna crush it today 
you know, pro, pro, <laughs> prohibit. So, you know, if you can't swim, you, you know, don't 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 go in the uh, yeah. in electric. Yeah, I, I worked it. I worked it in. I said, weave, you know, your friends are going to be telling you to jump into the water. And I said, you know why they're telling you? Because they know you can't swim and want to laugh at you. So don't jump. Um, you know, so it's, it was wild early days at Tough Mudder. Well, the t- Tough Mudder was, you know, probably one of the most exponentially growing companies in, in the sector from like when obstacle courses were started, they kind of became the, the bellwether, if you will. And then there was a lot of copycats that came out after yeah. that. So it must have been a pretty sharp ride. Yeah, it was it was awesome. We went from three to 14 to 35 to 60 events. By our third year, we were in the UK and Australia. And there was just this this idea of putting people through a physical challenge that would bring them together. Um, and also Tough Mudder wasn't timed. At the time it was, it was, hey, if you can finish, you're a winner and you get a beer. And I think that was really attractive to a lot of people. They, it was kind of like if you were super type A, you could do a triathlon and you know at home practice changing how quickly you could take on and off your socks. But at Tough Mudder, it was just about the grit and kind of challenge of finishing and also the camaraderie. I mean, at Tough Mudder, if, if someone's stuck in, the, in literally a mud pit behind you, you don't just run ahead of them to try to beat their time. You turn around and you get them out of that mud pit and just that that human bonding you know was amazing on the course and i think that's why it had sort of meteoric growth so a a number of our listeners are either health club operators um marketing officers inside of these types of companies you know might be franchisors like uh orange theory or uh, crunch fitness or planet when you take a look at at tough mutter what it is today or some of these other uh obstacle courses or fun runs what was the receptivity with local operators to partner up with? Or were they, uh, I guess it, to me, it would be if you were the sponsorship guy, which you were, right? Yeah. And, and lawyer, if yep. I remember. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, if I was a health club operator now and, and it was com- and, and Tough Mudder was coming to my area, like I would definitely want to be a sponsor there. I want to have a team there. I feel like some of our health club operators and fitness studio groups don't really recognize or don't like get ahead of and say like, okay, this is coming to town. Like I need to, this is an awesome sponsorship opportunity or yeah. maybe I should do like a six week training program beforehand. Uh, I know Tough Mudder is trying to get into the land-based studio space. So I'm not sure yep. if that's relevant right now or not, but you know, talk about what, um, what those members or what those participants, like what their demos look like and, and, what kind of partnerships or what kind of walls did you run into when you talk to health clubs as an obvious, you know, partner? Yeah, sure. Um, let me think. I mean, it's a, it's a natural, it's a natural partnership, you know, on, on a basic level for trainers and health clubs to get people signed up to these types of events, whatever event it is, you know, it's going to be three months, six months, nine months out. Uh, and mm-hmm. then you're going to hook that person to actually coming into your facility throughout that entire you know time. Right. Um, you know, I always thought uh, it, it, yeah, it was great natural partnerships. We gave away tickets in the early days to people who were trainers who had followings. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit broken up. You know, if we had an event in San Francisco area, then we had an event in Miami. You know, it took us a little a couple years to get up to scale to where like a, a big gym chain maybe would have partnered with us. And by then we had sort of sold some of the official training partner of Tough Mudder to folks like Under Armour or, you know, at the time, Metrics. I think we had yeah, Cliff sure. Bar as a sponsor. I would say I think Tough Mudder had a, had a little bit of a difficult time deciding what to do around fitness because you had these sponsors willing to kind of pay you for those sort of 
you know, rights to put their name aside a Tough Mudder fitness page because everyone, you know, on the Tough Mudder website would go to like how to train for Tough Mudder. Mm-hmm. I think there was a bigger opportunity earlier to get into our own fitness operating, uh, sort of fitness offering, which is what the company I think is smartly and rightly doing now with the Tough Mudder boot camps that they're rolling out. But it was always sort of like, well, do we partner? Do we build our own? In fact, very early on, 2011, I think. Um, so I was down in. Uh, in Austin, Texas, and I, I was think I was there for a Tough Mudder. I, w- I walk into a 7-Eleven, and I see this guy who's who's built like an NFL player or something, and he's got a shirt on that says CrossFit South Central. I said, what, hmm. what's this thing called CrossFit? So I said, hey, hey, man, I'm with this company, Tough Mudder. We, you know, need people who are fitness and active lifestyle. Tell me about CrossFit. So I, he literally said, get in my car. I'll take you to the, to the box. So I went to the box, and I thought, oh, this would have been an amazing partnership, but it was a little bit too much like, like two quarterbacks – you know, becoming friends or something like early days, yeah. like they maybe were going to do events. We right, maybe were right. going to do fitness. I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity because we had some high level talks there, but sure. um, definitely natural, natural partnership. So, so five years is a tough mutter. And then to, you know, talk about how this evolved into, uh, you know, beat the boom. So, yeah. So, um, after five years there, I had done a, a bunch of different jobs at the company and I was feeling comfortable. I was mm-hmm. feeling, I, I love Tough Mudder. You know, every hat, T-shirt, everything I had was Tough Mudder. I felt, uh, you know, super kinship with everybody who did the event. I, I love the people I work with. But I kind of felt a little bit like I was maybe plateauing, that the company had had this rapid growth. Mm-hmm. And now it might have been growing, you know, 25% a year, but it wasn't like it was tripling. And I kind of missed those early days. And I thought for myself, kind of see one, do one, maybe one day teach one. Like I had seen our CEO and do a fantastic job of, of growing Tough Mudder. I just said, for, for me, the personal challenge is going to be creating my own company, mm-hmm. kind of being the one in the hot seat, so to speak, you know, making the calls. And so uh, there was another element to it, which is, you know, with Tough Mudder, I saw people were doing it, uh, uh, sort of, it, some people were doing it as a novelty thing. You know, what's a cool thing to do for social media to get those photos? Uh, and they were going to be looking for the next thing. And so I thought to myself, what could I make that, that brings people together that can kind of be a, a really fun, awesome thing that can be playable on social media, um, but, but doesn't involve needing to do 20, you know, 20 pull-ups or run 10 miles or, mm-hmm. you know, do nine months of lifetime fitness or CrossFit or whatever, you ha- whatever have you. Um, so I started to do a lot of escape rooms. So I, l- I left the company and kind of went, you know, it's in this sort of wilderness year of, of searching. I did lots of escape rooms. I uh, did all sorts of active things. I, I, you know, went to every BMX place or, uh, you know, skydiving place in the New York area. Mm-hmm. For a while, I thought about doing a, a sort of a, a class pass of action sports, so to speak, mm-hmm. where rather than sort of being a member of a gym, you're a member of kind of a, a, a club that would challenge themselves and dare themselves. But I realized I was still sort of thinking with the Tough Mudder hat on, and I, then I started to do escape rooms. And I was like, wow, these things are blowing up. There's, there's thousands of them. There's one in every single city, let alone multiple in every is city. It, is it branded escape room or just like kind of a lot of like mom and pop, you know, entrepreneurs it, starting up their own? It's a lot of mom and pop. There's a few sort of providers that have 20, 30, 40. That, that's mm-hmm. kind of the max. They max out on scale, and we can kind of talk mm-hmm. about why. Uh, but I, I, I'd done them, and I thought these are really fun, but I didn't. there are certain things I didn't like about the business model. Number one, in an age of social media, they were completely uh, secret. So you had to put your phone in the locker, and, you know, you couldn't 
photograph anything in them or else you give away the clues, you know, right. to the next group. Mm. Um, number two, they provided sub-experiences. So there was, you know, the cabin or the spaceship or the killer's basement. And that's what you remembered. You didn't remember that you did it at, you know, Mission Escapes or at Escape the Room. You didn't remember the provider. It's like, where do you watch Mission Impossible? Was that United Artists or was it Lowe's? You're like, I have no idea. It's a right. sort of provider of this, these sub-experiences. And then as a business, everything was scenic and set design. Uh, so if you wanted to scale, you couldn't just take a hard drive in your pocket and you know go to Japan and, and create one. You had to have all the specialty carpentry and grandfather clocks with secret components and stuff. I thought, oh man, what? That's going to be really hard. Who makes hard. all that stuff? Who makes huh? the, the <laughs> best providers create their own sort of shop? You right. know. Um, or they buy sort of cheap knockoffs. Um, and then the last thing was just the fundamental gameplay, despite it being a group event, solving puzzles and riddles and putting together information is something that primarily happens in your own mind. Um, it wasn't like our coach in basketball saying, go from a 2-3 to a 3-2 defense. Sure. You know, you're not- 1-3-1, one, one. I used one, to put three, it back one. Yeah. One, one. So I thought, okay, if you Trap. can create sort of a, like a digital version of an escape room where the, the challenges can change because you can just run new games through the same technology, gotcha. then you have something that has a lot more scalability, a lot more long-term life. Um, and sort of through that, I, I kind of stumbled into Tough Mudder. And so, <laughs> they're so conflated in my mind. I stumbled into Beat the Bomb, where I said, okay, there's got to be a hook. And we had seen Color Run at, yeah. the, at, at Tough Mudder. And, yep. and we had seen the Ice Bucket Challenge of people just posting these videos, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, if, you, if in the end, you trap people in a room with a paint bomb, and if they couldn't work together, kind of like a you know 1980s movie ending with, uh, you know, oh cut the red wire or green wire or something, then poof, they get blasted with paint. I said, oh yeah, people would put that video on their Instagram pages. And then I worked backwards and I said, mm -hmm. what do you need to disarm a bomb? Okay, you need as much time on the clock. Okay, the games will be about earning time on the clock. So you start with zero. You play these games that require you to work together. You know, obviously you need a laser maze like Catherine Zeta-Jones and Entrapment. Right. Uh, and you just work, kind of work from there. I said, Simon, you know, that sort of audio game where you have to play a pattern. Well, how right. hard would that be if everyone had a different note, you know? And just mm. kind of, what are the things that would that sort of jam up a group? And it harkened back to Tough Mudder stuff. You know, when you, five people get to a wall, it's a physical challenge, but it's as much a, a communications challenge. Like, Pete, do I climb you or do you climb my shoulders, you know? Right, right. And so I thought uh, we can make digital games that make people do that. And that's kind of how we got to where we are right now. So I, I, I think the, the one, one, one of the takeaways here is that you, you had all this knowledge from, from Tough Mudder and, and, and we're wearing a lot of different hats, but then you actually, you know, took a year to say, okay, what am I passionate about? Where do I see an opportunity? And also it sounds like something that, you know, resonates with you personally. So talk about like how you kind of followed your, you know, okay, so fine, beat the bomb. You know, I'm going to set this up. I've done my research on how to kind of scale this business from a business standpoint. But like what, what gets you excited about what you're providing people? So I, I love when I'm on the other side of a wall to one of our game rooms. So Be The Bomb, it's a two to six player team game. You go through five rooms. The first four is earning time on your bomb clock where you face the paint bomb in the end. So if, if I'm like sort of on the outside in our lobby and I'm hearing people shout, maybe even curse at each other, high five, I'm just like, oh, something, this is a peak experience for these people. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. I, you know, I, I love creating experiences for people that they can't get anywhere else. And I think one of your, your recent guests was kind of talking about that. And sort of the, in the brick and mortar space, you got to create something that people can't get anywhere else. So I love that. And, you know, how beat the bomb? Well, I knew 
I needed something for me and my personality that I could watch and then I could reshape. Mm -hmm. That's also one of the values of it being digital. If it's the game's too hard, we just change the settings. Right, right. You know, if if a if monkey bars are too hard at Tough Mudder, you had to rebuild the monkey bars if they were too far apart for someone with short arms. You know, uh, at, at Beat the Bomb, we can change the game. So I wanted something I could like continually work on, and that I could watch people play and, and give them that experience. And, and that's what we've created. So now we're working on our second set of five games. And you know, talk to me two years from now, we're gonna have you know, five sets of five games. I knew I needed something that I could keep pouring creativity into. And anyone who knows me will sort of say, yeah, you're, you're going to get bored with just one thing. So now we're constantly making new games, which is kind of good for my personality. I would also say, you know, to any of the listeners out there, especially the young ones, you got to kind of put up your sail in life and let the wind blow you to the shore you're meant to be on. Because mm, like it. it's as much the world telling you where you shouldn't be. You know, when those tax lawyers said, look, man, I don't necessarily think that you should be here as a 50-year-old tax attorney, you know, rather than, than, than fighting it, say, okay, you know what? They may know something I don't know about being a tax attorney, and they may be able to see a little bit beyond, you know? And when Will, the CEO of Tough Mudder, said, they you know- It's like they released you. It's like they released me <laughs> into the wild. <laughs> like, you know, back in these the, guys are better at a free agency yeah. than, than The good thing is I've <laughs> now paint-blasted a lot of them because they've come to beat the bomb as corporate teams. Yeah, so we I say, probably hey, wouldn't be on this show if you were like the tax guy from Davis Polk. Yeah. I think they'll probably be deeper into the- Probably Deeper into not. our podcast content right. flow. So, you know, but uh, you know, Will at, at Tough Mudder would, would say, look, Alex, I know you like marketing, but now we have the model. We know how far out we need to market. We know how much we should spend. We know who our target is. Right. Let's get someone who actually knows marketing just to kind of run that railroad. Great. Now let's take you and have you go build something new because you're not afraid to, uh, you know, get it wrong or there might not be a right way to build an obstacle innovation team first time you build one. So, right. you know, you got the world got to push you to place that you're meant to be. I like it. So, uh, you know, one is you're, you're creating content, but, you, but you're also in, in the retail space. So, you know, as you create more and more of this content, do you view this as something that you end up licensing or franchise or like I could just see a, a number of our health club operators or as an example, we're working with a group right now called Ninja Nation, which is um, basically one of the larger American Ninja Warrior type obstacle course platforms. So they've got different bays where they actually throw birthday parties. So cool. they've got room for that. Uh, we're also putting in a fitness center above it so the, the parents can now look down and watch their kids and get their workout at the same time smart but content like what you're talking about seems like something that could be potentially infused into someone who's got the square footage already has the kids or or the reach into the community but doesn't have something cool like this because they're like you know they're it's not core to their model but it actually should be that's a that's a great idea i think the future of beat the bomb uh number one is creating essentially a a, a game box, like a room, mm -hmm. a 10 by 20 room that has all of our games in it. it has the laser maze, has the touchscreen game, has the RFID game, which you're kind of moving around and, and sort of tapping different lights. Um, we'll have a floor sensor game. There's a, we have one game with a sensor in the ceiling that knows where you're standing. So basically we create this thing. I'm calling it the Beat the Bomb X200 because it's 10 by 20, you know, very creative like there. It. And then we could X sort of sell that into your Sky Zones, your Top Golfs, you know, your Dave and Busters, et cetera, and then have a nationwide kind of network of these things. And you can have on, you know, there could be a kid in Toledo, Ohio, who now has the Laser Maze, you know, world championship or time, you know, the, the top right, time right. in the nation. I think we'll have to eventually have, you know, you know, 50 beat the bombs 
and 500 of these beat the bomb units out there. The next thing I think is we need to go fully digital. We need to be able to play beat the bomb games on tablets, on phones, uh, in VR. We, the other day, our, our CTO took our laser maze. He built it in Oculus Quest, you know, the untethered VR mm -hmm. headset. He took me into our 10 by 20 laser maze. He put it on my head. And there I was standing in a virtual version of our laser maze. And so I think eventually Beat the Bombs teamwork and communication games will be able to play it in, in sort of networked VR, mm. maybe even across, you know, if, if Ernst & Young has offices in New York and San Francisco, they can play these games. People can download them off Steam, et cetera. Wow. Um, and then maybe the last thing I'd say is we're stumbling upon this thing that I'm calling digital sports. Mm -hmm. Right, there's real sports. Uh, then there's you know esports where you're sitting down playing these console games. Yeah, sold sold out stadiums. Sold out stadiums. We went to ESL one. It, it's yeah. you know it's 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 awesome. It's insane. It's awesome. There's a hybrid. You know, if you look at every sport now, if you shoot a basket, you know, unless you're playing pop a shot at Dave and Buster's, it doesn't know that you scored. Um, currently, we're sitting in a room. This room doesn't know that we're here. Uh, there are going to be sort of native digital sports, I think. Things like our laser maze, things like our RFID game where you're tapping lights around the room, in which physical activity has a data overlay and we're able to give you scores, performance, and those types of physical experiences, especially for the kind of next generations coming behind us, are going to be even more interesting than the ones that are kind of data poor. I think some of the best sports-ish businesses are putting data over existing sport for example like top golf they turned a driving range into a game yeah, with sure. scores and you know i think there's going to be all these i think there's going to be new types of physical activities and teamwork challenges and so the next thing we're also working on here at, at beat the bomb is team versus team where two teams are playing we have two side-by-side -side routes so they're, they're playing a networked game they're playing between each other mm -hmm. and in the bomb room whichever team wins gets to hit one of those like red buttons like american ninja warrior and just right. blast the loser Gotcha. That's, that's awesome. So talk about for a minute, kind of switch gears from the business side to, to the personal side. You know, now you're, you're a full-fledged entrepreneur. Um, you know, you, you've been in a company but that you help grow, in, you know, exponentially. I think from like the Oculus and the, and the VR, I think all of us probably thought that, that that would become, you know, almost like the equivalent of having an iPhone by now. So how do you think about what you want to be in life and, and know that, you know, you don't have to run a thousand miles an hour to like make change and, and have an awesome job and, you know, control your own destiny at the same time saying like, all right, I got, here's where I want to be and I'm not there yet. You know, I, I get like that all the time where it's like, okay, I'll, you know, here's my goals and like, I need to be on track and I don't want to push those back a year or two years because the technology is not ready or because my team's not big enough or I need to take in capital, you know, give us like a personal side of like, how you think about business right now. And I think there's kind of been a, a bucket of cold water kind of thrown on some of the VC investments like a WeWork and, you know, whose fault is that? Is it the CEO we work for taking the money or is it for the investor putting the money in? You know, it's like rapid growth and you want these KPIs? Well, I'm not going to make money if I do that. But why? So how do you think about like what you're building, the systemic value of that, your personal endeavors and so on and so forth? So very open-ended, long-winded question. <laughs> Well, let me see. Um, it, you know, as an entrepreneur doing this, it's an emotional roller coaster, and one of the most important relationships you have is the one that you have with yourself, yeah. with your own energy, with your own able to ability to absorb uh, the sort of the pressure or stress of creating something new. I was thinking about it. You know, what would I say? Some of the things if I came on the show, 
said, you know, do you like walking in the woods? A nice stroll through the woods. Yeah, we, I like a nice stroll through the woods. Okay, now you're hearing footsteps behind you and you think it's, you know, a bear or a tiger. How's your walk in the woods now, right? right. Being an entrepreneur is kind of like the second one of those. So, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be competitive threats. There's, you know, things that can always go wrong. For me, it's, it's where do we want to be a few years from now? It's that vision. It's saying, oh, we're not only blasting people with paint and giving them an Instagram photo, we're actually creating, we're at the dawn of digital sports. Mm -hmm. And I want there to be a U.S. national laser running championships in 2024. I want to be on ESPN. I want our laser maze to be on American Ninja Warrior. Okay, how do I wake up today knowing that we're not going to be there by the end of today right. and plan out the steps to get to the steps to get to something like that? And that's where I think you, you have to start building a great team. You need to think, what am I not bringing? How do I bring in the talent? You know, there's the what and like, where do we want to go? And then there's the, how's it going to happen? And for me, a lot of the, how's it going to happen ends up being who's going to do it. So finding the people, right. um, it, to that tune, I, uh, first off, you know, Jesse Johnson is our, our lead developer. He's this guy I met who sort of at the intersection of software coding and hardware very early on, two years ago at the company's birth, was able to, to stand up our system. That guy is, is amazing. We call him the wizard. So, you know, I sort of finding him was key or else, you know, it would be sure. very difficult to build what we, what we built. More recently brought in Jesse Bull, who uh, was SVP of marketing at two Tough Jessies? Mudder. Two Jessies. Jesse wow. one and Jesse two. Jesse one and two on the X200. On the X200, like yeah, that's right. We're just naming everything here. <laughs> yeah, just everyone's got a... Got some kind of nickname or whatever. Yeah. I like it. Uh, so, so Jesse too here, uh, he was Tough Mudder's first CFO, chief people officer, and head of his SVP of marketing. So that guy's now our president, and he's really helping just put a lot of shoulder and drive the business. Mm -hmm. he, he and I now are raising money for the business. So that kind of gets the other part of your question, which is it's interesting. Beat the bomb, the unit is very profitable. Um, and when we're going out to get investment, a lot of these, you know, kind of turning first to VCs because we're, we're very early for PE. We have, you know, for private equity, that sure. we have one unit. Uh, a previous guest of yours in one of the most recent podcasts says, you know, they, they put money behind a company once they have 10 units, 5 million in EBITDA. They put in a $20 million check. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not there yet. So who's the right investor? Is it just friends and family? Is it? So we're going out to VCs and they're sort of, I, I joke that if I said to them, look, I'm building the next immersive sort of room game technology that will be mirrored in VR, except I'm only losing a million dollars a month, they would be like, amazing. I see this as a billion dollar company. If I say, look, Beat the Bomb is, you know, doing a couple million in revenue as a unit and it's profitable. They say, oh, you're brick and mortar. You know, if you had a hundred of these, you'd have a hundred times what you have now. And that's a math equation. And I don't do simple math equations because a hundred million is not enough. And I'm saying to them, look, if we get to a hundred million, we're going to have you know, hopefully enough profits to fund a game design team. We don't need to keep putting, you sure. know, and it's about finding the right investors. We're, we're talking to some family offices and those folks have a long view. Right. Um, and they don't need to return capital in two, three years to their sort of the, the, part, the people who put in the money to fund. So that's been, a, 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 you know, both running the business day to day and then also kind of switching your mind to talking about that future and raising money is definitely a kind of a switch that's, uh, you know, need what we're doing every day now. Yeah. So, uh, so in closing here, um, you know, one, look forward to seeing the progress here and, and doing a beat the bomb experience with, uh, with our team as it will be the plan. Um, but what, what are some of the other quotes? I think we got a, a healthy dose so far, but what else you got? Uh, what, what are, uh, you know, your, your teammates here, you say a lot. Uh, let's see. 
uh, I, I'm, I'm this kooky phrase that's a three-sided box doesn't hold water. And my, <laughs> but basically, think about putting a, a three sides of a box on a table, okay? Because other people, wait, what about need six sides? But it's, you know, it, three parts of, of that box aren't enough. You put water in, it runs out. You have to nail down every single thing. It's not someone else's fault that something didn't happen. It's your responsibility to make that thing happen. So if it's, uh, you know, we put the terminal by the exit to get the customer reviews. Um, we email them afterwards, but mm -hmm. they're not reviewing us on Google. It's like, okay, maybe you built three sides of the box. Where's the fourth? You mm -hmm. can't, we'd still need to get this done. We need to get positive reviews, you know? So it's just pushing people to say that the, just because you did these inputs, but if you haven't got the output yet, you have to keep trying, have yeah. to keep innovating. Good I also point. sort of say, I don't know. Uh, you know, my team kind of, uh, they're, they're good in, in saying, okay, Alex, I, I see your vision. I see what you want to do here. How do we structure that to the next few steps to begin to get there? What's possible to do right now? Mm -hmm. You know, if we can't do the U.S. National Laser Running Championships, maybe we can do the 2019 Brooklyn Laser Running sure. Championships, right? So the, the, they're more telling me the things that uh, are helping structure it. So the, the team is great. Awesome. Well, great to have you on. Good to meet you. I look forward to uh, spending time with you guys. And uh, if you don't know where to find Beat the Bomb, head to Dumbo. Yep, to www.beatthebomb.com. We're on Instagram, at Beat the Bomb. And we give away a lot of charity tickets. So any charity auctions, schools, we're a big supporter of STEM, you know, just hit us up and, and we'll hit you some tickets. All right. You heard of Hurst from Patterson with a little beatbox to end it. All right, beatbox. Mm. Halo talks over and out. Beat the bomb. Healthy, active lifestyle bomb. outdoors. Beat the bomb. Later. <laughs> <laughs>